everybody. Welcome to the Basis Points Podcast. I'm Kevin Flanagan, Head of Fixed Income Strategy at Wisdom Tree Asset Management. I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving and is getting ready and geared up, believe it or not, for the last month of the year and the holiday season. I have with me a very special guest today, Chris Aceto, CEO of Gapsto Capital Partners. Chris, great having you on. Kevin, it's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, I look forward to recapping what has been a really interesting year in fixed income. Yeah, what Chris and I wanted to do was was really provide, you know, a recap for what went on in fixed income this year and and turn the page, right? Turn the calendar, starting to look at what 2023 may hold, what investors may be looking at in the broader fixed income sphere. And, and we'd like to make this, you know, not just one podcast, perhaps doing a series of podcasts on this, because, you know, as horrible of a year that it was in fixed income so far in 2022, perhaps it's shaped up to be a very good year for 2023 in fixed income. And, and Chris, I just wanted to, you know, bring you in here. And obviously, the Fed has been the catalyst, right, for what yep. we're seeing uh, on the rate front this year. And just to get your thoughts, you know, I know we're thinking on the wisdom tree side, the Fed isn't done. We're, we're actually following what Powell and company are, are telling us rather than, say, the market's trying to extrapolate when is the Powell pivot going to be. And, you know, e- even though that they may slow the magnitude of the rate hikes, that more rate hikes are coming and they, they could continue into the early part of 2023. Do you think that's a reasonable case assessment at this stage of the game? I think it is, Kevin. And I, I, I wish I had something more provocative to say here. I, I think the consensus really is that, um, that that does continue. We're not done, whether that's 75, 100 or 125 more um, of, of, of increasing the Fed funds target rate. Um, I think that's uh, that's probably in the cards. You know, that takes us through probably Q2 of next year. So, I mean, that that's what's interesting about all of this is, you know, we're talking about as one of our primary themes, you know, Fed-induced volatility. And that does not look like it's potentially going to change, at least uh, for, say, the better part uh, of next year. But let's rehash for a second. Let's let's go back here to 2022. I, I mentioned it's it's arguably the the worst year on record for bonds, or at least the, the one of the worst ones that I can remember in in, in quite a while. And, and walk us through it a, a little bit. You know, we we talked about the Fed, we talked about rates. You know, what was going on in the credit markets as well? Yeah, well, I, you know, Kevin, as a starting point, I, rewind to a year ago. If you and I were doing this podcast, November of 2021. And I said to you, um, what sort of regime are you in? You know, I'd be willing to bet that you, as well as most other people, would still say we're in the lower for longer orthodoxy here. Um, You know, this, this, that, 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 that despite the fact that we had inflation creeping up throughout 2021 and pretty aggressively towards the end of it, you know, this was prior uh, to rate hikes, um, you know, quantitative tapering hadn't even started yet, um, and you know that 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 we re- we saw a bit of a pickup in rates, thirty-five to fifty basis points, whether it was mortgages or ten-year treasuries over the course of twenty twenty-one, but you know nothing at this point in time, you know, was suggesting what came next, and you know your question about. 
as 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 much as we were in consensus about what you asked about 2023, I would remind ourselves that I don't know if that was uh, what we expected or saw in 2022 was the consensus uh, a year ago. Um, what a crazy year, right? Six Fed increases already, 400 basis points of movement upwards pretty much across uh, uh, most credit markets. Um, if you think about where we were starting from, maybe 400 basis points we've seen before in a year. But if you think about it as a percentage of where we started, this is somewhat unprecedented. Um, you combine the fact that not only do you have the Fed um, changing the Fed funds target rate, we're about to enter and have been entering a, a period of quantitative tapering to the like we've probably never seen before. And as you mentioned, I think, you know, the, the, what, what's happened this year, so interesting, in addition to rates going up, you had correlations between equities and rates um, change. You know, we, we've had balanced portfolios down in a year before, whether that's, you know, 75-25 or 60-40, but that's usually been because equities were really down and fixed income was up a little bit. Um, this was a, a, a unique year in which both happened at the same time. We now have a yield curve that's inverted to throw more interesting things into the mix, which we can talk about. And I would end with one really interesting thing that I think has happened, which probably isn't reported on enough, which is um, by, by different measures, real rates of return have turned positive again after being flat for basically zero for a long time. Um, if you do, uh, if Fed has uh, an interesting uh, measure of, of real rates based on forward-looking expectations of inflation as well as the current nominal rate, and those are now back up in the 2% real range. So, so we've really reversed a lot of the last, you know, certainly year and a half to two, but arguably a fair amount of the last 10 years of interest rate regime um, during one eight to, to 10 month period here. I, I love that perspective from where we were last year, how we begun this year, and, and, and arguably probably into the first quarter of, of this year, that lower for longer, that you know, for so many investors and financial advisors out there, I mean, really, that's all they knew. Um, you know, I'm not going to date you and me, Chris, but, you know, we knew a fixed income regimen a little bit different than what we've seen over the last 10 or 15 years. And, you know, what we would, I think, argue is that we've now had this return to normalcy. And I love to talk about, for those people out there who may have been young Frankenstein fans, that, you know, what we saw over the last, say, 10, 15 years in, in fixed income, in terms of yields levels anyway, was more Abbey normal, that that is not uh, essentially what fixed income had been about prior to the financial crisis. And I think that's going to play a big role in how advisors, how investors are going to be looking at fixed income into 2023. We have a whole new generation of advisors and investors that have not experienced yield levels here. To your point, not seeing real return, real yield levels in the positive territory as well. And I wanted to get your take on that, that, you know, it, it, when you're looking overall in terms of portfolios for, say, 2023, would you agree with that concept that fixed income is now going to be looked at 
uh, a lot differently than what it was looked at, say, just 12, 24 months ago. Uh, I, I think that's right, Kevin. Let's take the starting position and then maybe we can add in uh, how, it, how it might change going forward. But I think this has crept up on all of us that, that uh, you know, you, you, uh, I sit on a couple of endowment committees and, you know, fixed income within endowments had virtually become irrelevant because of the low expected return, nominal as well as real. Um, that you know there was not it was not worth putting um, capital into those areas because it, it just there was no expected return. Um, and to your point about about a little ageism here, you know that wasn't always true. There's a reason why people have advocated a balance between equities and bonds over time because back in the day, high quality bonds could still get you five and six plus percent. You know, that made a real mark on the portfolio. But I would argue we had, you know, come to a, a, a period of time where it has just been irrelevant for a large group of um, investors out there, institutional as well as uh, as well as individual. We turn around and all of a sudden we look at CDs at your bank and uh, investment grade opportunities or even AAA high quality bonds. And you're seeing numbers that are not just you know, 1% return, but now three, four, 5% return on investment grade. And we'll get to high yield in a bit, but suddenly that's a real number. And I think we're now all coming back to, wait a second, um, that, that, that makes a difference in a portfolio. And might I add, I think it makes a even bigger impression on your thinking about asset allocation if in fact, you're one of many people thinking right now that on the equity side, we're probably looking at a lower return environment relative to where we've been in the past. And so higher returns possible on bonds combined with lower expectations on equity. You know, we go from irrelevancy on investment grade fixed income to be provocative to, wow, this could be a very big part of my thinking over the next few years. You know, I mean, we, we talked about the Fed in the beginning. We, we've been talking about yield levels, absolute yield levels, where they are now. And, and you just touched upon it from the credit perspective. So I wanted to to use really what 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 I feel in one of the areas, one of your many areas of expertise. I wanted to get into the sub-investment grade credit aspect to, to sort of put a bow on this podcast and, and, and get your thoughts about, you know, not not just IG credit in the high yield space and maybe the alternative credit space as well. What you're seeing as we set up for the end of this year and into 2023. Yeah, well, I, I think I think as, as much as IG is interesting investment grade, below investment grade opportunities, I think, are um, e e that much more interesting. Imagine now, Kevin, that you have or are looking at high yield bond indices and leveraged loan indices that now have yields with eight handles on them, sometimes bumping up into nine handles. Um, you know, that, that, again, coming back to we have gotten so used to, even on below investment grade, getting something in the four to five handle range that suddenly these yields seem quite spectacular. You know, certainly very interesting if you're equity outlook is perhaps mid single digits that suddenly on credit, credit is not a, uh, a, a, 
return expectation um, diminishing um, potential looking looking forward. Um, and you know we have a we have a interesting thirty years of history in the below investment grade world that uh, you're typically speaking your entry point on yield. Um, is a very, very significant determinant of what your five-year total return is going to be um, for for being in that index. Um, so I think people, in addition to thinking about IG fixed income, are, are taking another look at below investment grade traded credit. In addition, you are also seeing interest in structured credit, um, and private lending. I think on the structured credit side, there, there are some technical as well as fundamental dislocations happening within those markets that are also pushing uh, yields up and forward-looking return expectations up further than um, people could have envisioned even, even just a very, very short time ago. So I think if you look across the below investment grade uh, spectrum, there are some very interesting things to be doing. And, you know, if I, if 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 I have one theme on below investment grade um, investing for 2023 is um, don't wait for the dislocation, it's already here. Meaning so many people think about below investment grade credit as waiting for a big distress cycle and jumping in um, with the obvious, with the obvious um, indication of that being spiking default rates. There are no spiking default rates right now, but people's ability to earn very strong returns, I would argue, are in place at this point in time. I, I think that's that's perhaps like, you know, hitting the nail on the head, right? I mean, focusing on, you know, when to get involved. I, you know, I always talk, look, you know, I, I don't want to be a bond market timer, but back to my original comments that just looking at what has occurred this year, I mean, we're, we're talking about sub-investment grade. I, I mean, even investment grade, the ag, right? We're, we're talking about performances that have not been witnessed potentially ever um, or, or very, very rare so that, you know, the, the opportunity is in front of you. And, and it, I think what's interesting in a way that I would look at, and I'll give you the last word on this, is that, you know, what, what transpired this year does open the door what we would believe, I think, for opportunity and fixed income for 2023. I think that's right, Kevin. And one final thought, and maybe as, as we think about, well, what's the downside potentially? And, and perhaps we can pick this up for our next podcast. You know, it, it, among the many radical changes in, in fixed income investing that, that's now occurred is, you know, for so long, the the optionality on rate movements were, were bad, meaning at 1%, not only am I not getting a lot of yield um, or 2%, I, I, I know rates can only go up from here. And so therefore I'm exposing myself to, to, to an asymmetry in the potential volatility of rates. And sure enough, that happened this year. And that, that, you know, if you were holding fixed income coming into this year, um, that, that sort of, Black ball got picked out of the uh, out of the out of the mix. That that black swan, you know, going into 2023, we're now in a situation where if you it's if you say, hey, Kevin, are rates going up or down? To your point, we're probably seeing more Fed increases a bit going into next year. But what happens on the back end of that? You know, I think the suddenly you're in a world where the asymmetry is perhaps on the downside. That not only are you entering into 2023 earning a decent yield that if you had to be a 
uh, a betting person on whether or not you're going to see the benefit of duration exposure um, rather than the, the negative aspects, I think suddenly that's probably moving back into your favor again. So from an asset allocation standpoint, um, you know, that, that, that you're protected a bit on that, on the, uh, you know, investing right now, because uh, I, I don't think, the, I don't think the Fed is going to bring rates back down to zero again in a normal rate environment, but, you know, they, certainly the market believes they're eventually going to begin to back off once uh, in, inflation's there. So, uh, so, you know, I think that asymmetry is an interesting opportunity to be thinking about in 2023 as well. Absolutely. I think that was that was actually a perfect way to, to kind of end the podcast here as as the outlook. And as you said, and as I mentioned earlier on, um, Chris, I would love to have you on and, and kind of make this a series because I think there's going to be a lot to talk about. And um, for, for guys like you and me who have been in fixed income, let's just say for a while, bonds are back. It's great to be able to say that bonds are back. Income is back in fixed income, returning to normalcy. So, so Chris, I hope to have you again on uh, soon. So once again, for everybody out there, that was Chris Aceto, CEO of Gapstow Capital Partners. Um, Chris, thanks again. I appreciate you being on. Happy holidays, Kevin. Thank you very much. And for that, we're going we're gonna to call it a podcast, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. And before investing, carefully consider a fund's investment objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus available at wisdomtree.com. Read it carefully.